the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Over the past number of months, we've been reporting on the negative impact of COVID-19 on many businesses and sectors across Ireland. This week, we decided to change tack, and I've spoken to two entrepreneurs who actually set up businesses during the pandemic. They tell me about the reasons for taking the plunge at this uncertain time and the challenges they've faced since opening for business. First, you'll hear from Connor Keppel, who has set up a software company called Relay, and later, Jero Donoghue will tell us about his decision to open a specialty coffee shop in the market town of Ennis Tymon in County Clare. Now, Connor Keppel, thank you for joining Inside Business. Uh, you've decided to set up this company, Relay, uh, in the pandemic. Uh, some people would call you uh, brave for doing that. Uh, tell us a little bit about Relay. What's it about and how did the idea come about? Sure. So Relay is a business management software for people uh, that own businesses, basically, that do on-site services. So when you think of plumbers, electricians, um, and, and the real, I guess the, the kind of key thing that you might be able to relate to is sometimes when you book a plumber or an electrician, They'll say, I'll be out next Tuesday between nine and five, right? So these very vague times. And the reason that happens is from the owner's perspective of that business, they're very difficult businesses to run logistically, okay? So they might have multiple guys in the road who have multiple jobs in different locations in one day. They have to deal with traffic. They have to deal with emergency jobs. They have to deal with people maybe not turning up at the house for 15 minutes until, you know, after it was supposed to start. So Relay really, it's an app uh, that allows those business owners to assign jobs to people. They have like a news feed. They can check when staff check in and out of jobs, if they've arrived on time, what customers have paid. Uh, and basically, it just gives them really a 360 view in their hand uh, of everything that's going out on out on the road. Um, where the idea came from, I previously worked with a company called Forest Salon Software, and I was the head of marketing there. Um, and late last year, uh, I had, I'd had i always wanted to do my own company, basically. But late last year, I went to the founder and said, look, why don't we consider um, basically spinning up a subsidiary company and, and going after a different market? And the market I looked at um, was pet care, okay? Because pet care and salons, think of dog groomers, boarding kennels, they're not totally dissimilar in how they're run. And it's, it's that particular market is growing very fast. But what I found very interesting was, as I was speaking to those businesses, and I spoke to about 160 of them, I was astonished by the number of them that were basically saying, we're abandoning our bricks and mortar businesses to actually go out on the road and provide services door to door. Way more consumers want services coming to them. Um, So I looked and we thought about it. And and when I'd heard about the requirements, the software just, it was a totally different set of challenges from a software point of view. Um, I looked at other softwares that were out there, they were very enterprise, they weren't mobile first. So if if the business owner was part of the team and on the road themselves, it was almost impossible to use. Uh, and, and you just had to be quite tech savvy to use them. So that's where the idea came from. Um, we didn't end up launching that company with Forrest because uh, COVID hit and uh, we weren't going to invest in, uh, I guess, uh, expansion at that point. It was kind of a case of hunkering down. Uh, salons were being hit hard. So it was kind of sitting on what cash they had. Uh, but I said, look, I, I definitely, there's something here. I just knew there was something here. And I spoke to other door-to-door service providers, plumbers, electricians, and so on. Uh, and the concept of, of what we were talking about, I, I just felt a real pull from the market. Uh, and they were just really excited by it. Okay, Connor. And so you decided essentially to go out on your own? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And did that require a big investment? 
No, so not yet. Um, so I, I was well connected with, with different developers and different people that are helping me. So um, I kind of have people that I've given a little bit of equity to and people that have helped me out to develop, I guess, the first iteration of the product. So essentially we've, we've bootstrapped so far uh, and the very first iteration is going to be, well, it'll start to be used by customers from next week, uh, believe it or not. Uh, so up until this point, we've been able to bootstrap. Uh, investment may be something we need to look at uh, down the line. Uh, and I've obviously put a, a bit of my own cash into it as well. Um, but we haven't raised external money yet. And that's the plan not to do so for at least a few more months until until we're happy with uh, that we have the right idea and that it's been used by the right people. Sure. Now, Forrest, your previous employer, they weren't prepared to... To, to go this path, I suppose, because of the pandemic, as you say, they just decided to hunker down, preserve cash and see how this plays out. But you obviously decided that there was an opportunity here in pandemic or no pandemic you were going to go after. Just sort of walk us through that thought process uh, from your point of view and, and maybe who you spoke to, to, you know, as a sound, who you used as a sounding board. Um, to kind of confirm that the decision was was right to go now. Yeah, so I suppose um, a couple of things on that. One was Forrest may hunker down, but I think my my theory was as a person that, you know, door-to-door services with everybody being remote working now, or a lot of people remote working, way more people are working on their houses, less people won't want to go into bricks and mortar businesses, probably as much as they previously did. Um, So I think the timing was actually perfect for a door-to-door service providing um, startup to, to start. Um, there's people like I, I've spoken to along, like I was, I was very close with Ronan Percival, the founder of Forest. I had told him for years that I wanted to go do my own thing. Should I, should I not? Um, there's other kind of entrepreneurs as well um, that I spoke to in Ireland. But the advice that I, I always got from them was, uh, you know, the best day to start was was yesterday. Um, and the second best day is to start is, is today. Um, so to just go out to do it, uh, to feel the fear. And although it's terrifying, um, until you, you know, when you start it, you kind of have to survive and keep going. Um, so just start now, it, it's, it's the right time. Um, and I guess the second thing then really was speaking to the potential customers in the market. So that was the other piece as well. Like, so when I spoke to them, you know, people had offered me, we can pay up front right now for a year. We absolutely love the sound of this product. So I felt a real pull from the market. Um, and there was stuff even from my experience in Forest before where we go launch new things and they just, it, people weren't that hot on it um, in terms of potential customers. So, I felt a really good pull and I felt we were onto something to the point where I was kind of like, look, the timing is right. People are telling me to do it and, and the market seems like it's ready for it. So let's go. Now, Connor, I think you're married, uh, no children uh, as yet, but I just wonder what, you, what, what what did your wife think of you starting up a business in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> um, I, I, so yeah, I guess she was really happy for me to do it. Uh, and, and like, she was like, go do it. Um, but I, I, she's the more cautious of the two of us, so I have quite an appetite for risk, uh, and she doesn't have as big an appetite for risk, which is a good balance, I guess. So I guess she was worried, uh, and she was worried for me as well. I mean, um, you know, uh, what's the, like, you know, nobody likes to see anybody else fail, and that's always a risk of doing a startup. But she was very, very supportive, and she still supports me the whole way on it. Um, I guess her number one priority is for me to be happy, and I think she knows deep down that uh, me working for myself is probably going to be what, what makes me happiest. Yeah, so when was day one and how did the pandemic and the various restrictions we've had to live with now over the past six months, how has that impacted on your ability to go about setting up this business? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. Um, so in, in the early days, uh, let's say probably, let's say early March really when, when restrictions kind of kicked in, that was kind of day one kind of thing for us. Um, 
funnily enough, I think my timing was very good. So typically in software companies, it can take really about a year to get up and running properly. Um, so a lot of these providers in the very early days, they were actually at home and not out in the road because people were kind of like, what's going on? I don't want people out to my house right now. So they actually had more time to talk to me uh, as customers. Now, I guess the only negative on it was they were very fearful for the future and kind of asking them were they interested in a software product wasn't the right time. But getting to know their business, I was actually able to sit down and have more conversations with them. Um, I guess the unfortunate part is, you know, a lot of these um, men and women that run these businesses, they're very face-to-face people, uh, as most small business owners are. So I haven't had the ability to go out and sit with them uh, in their business or spend a day on the road with them, which I would love to do. So that, ha- you know, that would... I guess, accelerate the learning process, but that hasn't been an option currently so far. Uh, in terms of other things, I mean, I, I found the supports to be quite good out there. Um, so I did a New Frontiers program with Enterprise Ireland. Um, and I, I haven't found any personal major restrictions except not getting to see these people face-to-face as much as I would like. That's definitely been uh, a drawback. Yeah, sure. And I'm just wondering, in terms of uh, recruitment, Let's say, I don't know if you have many staff working for you at this point or if it's a a bit of a solo operation still, but has that been inhibited by uh, the pandemic? So I'm currently like a solo operation uh, working with, um, basically working with other people that I know on a kind of a part-time basis, if you get my drift. Um, So that, it was actually very interesting from that perspective. Um, People are at home, they have more time. So I found that very useful because the time that they were able to kind of give to me on the side was probably time that they would be commuting, for example. Um, so they were using that time to help me out in terms of like designing a product and helping me develop the product. Um, in, in terms of, uh, I guess, hiring going forward, we will be looking at hiring like a salesperson and, and a, like a full-time uh, engineer or, or software developer in the near future. Uh, it's funny in tech, like certain parts of tech are really hot due to COVID. Things like e-commerce, a lot of these software solutions particularly as people are working remotely. So I would think that, if anything, um, the market's even hotter than it was pre-COVID, which is very challenging for a startup because, you know, we're not going to be able to offer the kind of money that a Google or a HubSpot or a Salesforce are going to be able to offer. So I think it's definitely going to be a challenge from that perspective. There may be other types of jobs, though, that will be easier to fill. So maybe on like the sales side or on a marketing side, maybe some companies in other areas have cut back that are not in tech and, and we can hire those kind of people. Uh, but I think it will be hard to hire engineering talent and that's definitely something I want to get sooner rather than later. Okay, so when do you start generating revenue from this? I start generating revenue from next month. Um, so we have a, a bunch of customers lined up. Uh, so we have uh, like about six customers lined up to test. So what we call a test in, in software is an MVP or a minimal viable product. It's, it's basically a prototype. So we're going to do a paid trial on our prototype um, for about a month. They will pay us for that. They're only going to pay us like about 30 euros to do it uh, as a test. But then shortly after that, we're going to start the minute that we basically get, okay, your product is good. I would definitely use it. We're going out to market and we're going to start selling it at 100 euros a month. Right. How big could this get? What's your target market? So the target market really is uh, door-to-door service providers with three plus vehicles, up to 20 staff and vehicles. Um, so it, it depends on how you look at the market. We're looking at Ireland getting uh, our first, we'll say, 100 customers in Ireland, but very quickly thereafter, we'll move into the UK. Um, so if you take the likes of plumbers, electricians, cleaners, I mean, there, there's almost 40,000 businesses that are within our sweet spot in the UK alone. You know, if we got a, a decent chunk of that and you're charging 100 euros a month, you have like a software company worth, you know, potentially 100 million euros just from the UK market alone. So it's a massive market uh, and we very much see ourselves 
as an international company. We want to be Irish, but we certainly want to be an Irish company that's operating internationally, and that's definitely the ambition. So who have you signed up for this trial? So I signed up a couple of people within the Wicklow area. Um, so predominantly we're starting with cleaners, actually. Um, and the reason being is that we're working on a module that does things like uh, stock and inventory and parts uh, currently, but cleaners don't need that. They basically need like who's doing what job, where, when, and did I get paid? Uh, so we're starting with that. They're in the local area. I reached out to them through friends, through family, through neighbors. Who do you use? Uh, can you introduce me? Uh, so that's what I did at the very, very start. Um, and they're all based around us here in Wicklow, South Dublin kind of thing. There's a lot of talk, Connor. Uh, actually, Wicklow, where you live, uh, is cited as as possibly being in line to uh, move to level three restrictions. Uh, we might all go to level four. Who knows where this is going to take us? You know, there's been a spike in numbers and it's going to be with us for a long time to come. So how might that, if the restrictions are tightened, how might that impact your business? So, yeah, it's an interesting question. I guess most of these businesses operate within their own county and operate to people locally. Um, so I, I, the short answer is I don't know exactly. I don't think it may have like a massive impact if, if people are within Wicklow, um, operating to people in Wicklow, people are in Dublin, servicing people in Dublin. Um, but it, it's definitely going to have some impact, I guess, because a lot of guys who are in Dublin, for example, will go outside the border uh, and vice versa. So I'm sure it will have some impact. Um, I'm hoping that um, whatever happens, I guess, that that these businesses will continue to operate at least in a very localized fashion. Um, Now, again, how might that impact us? Because even if they are operating very localized and the revenue gets hit, it will be definitely harder for us to sell. If that's the case, then really we we actually have a couple of guys that we were speaking to in the UK, for example. So then we might like move to the UK much quicker and try and sign up more people in the UK. But again, if they fall into a similar situation, um, we're going to have to be very adaptive and we're just going to have to see where this goes and, and, and change, I guess, on the fly as it happens, really. And do you worry, Connor? do you stress about the fact that you might fall victim, uh, your company might fall victim to the pandemic? Yeah, I do. Um, in saying that, I, I, I have a philosophy of, of, of trying to worry only about what I can control. Um, so, of course, I'm worried. I mean, it, it'd be foolish of me to say I'm not worried in some way. Um, but... I, I look, I don't think it'll be around forever. Um, that, like there will be a vaccine at some point. Um, I think the way things are going now, they seem to be more localized in terms of how they're doing lockdowns. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that we will be able to operate. One of the very few advantages of being a startup is that you are very lean. Um, and, you know, we have good support in terms of people that are helping us out. Um, I can do, I, I am doing a small bit of consultancy with, with software companies, uh, marketing consultancy to try and stay afloat. So this is the beauty of not taking funding too early if you can get to a certain point and you have a certain level of self-sufficiency that worst case scenario, we might kind of have to be like, okay, let's pause this for a few months and then kind of uptake it again. Um, but we're kind of prepared for that. Uh, I, I guess my biggest fear is that I would just slow it down because I feel like we're starting to gain good momentum and it'd be terrible to kind of just launch a product and all of a sudden everything locks down. Uh, but if that's a reality we have to deal with, then that's a reality we have to deal with. Connor, you mentioned Enterprise Ireland and you've been able to uh, access them for some for some help. I just wonder, is there anything you feel the government could do for a company like you or for early stage entrepreneurs who are looking at a business idea uh, at this particular moment, very difficult moment, obviously, with the pandemic? Is there anything they could do specifically to help the likes of you? Um, it's a good question. I think Enterprise Ireland is actually genuinely a great organization. We're lucky to have them. But I guess, um, you know... <sighs> 
I, I suppose some of the things that I found uh, starting out, there's quite a, up, a lot of small upfront costs to starting a business um, that I probably wasn't aware about. So I'm not an expert in finance. You have to get a local accountant. Uh, you have to get your, 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 I guess, your ducks in line on a lot of that stuff. So I, some sort of starter kit, um, some sort of starter funding, uh, Enterprise Ireland do have a program called New Frontiers where you can get two and a half thousand a month uh, stipend as as a uh, business owner. But the reality is, is that's obviously very, very sought after and a very small percentage of people get it. Um, but I, I just think some sort of here is X amount of cash. You know, you've met these criteria to get you started. And even if it was that you had to pay it back once you reach a certain revenue or something like that. Um, but there are a lot of costs at the start that I don't think people realize. And I think that can be prohibitive. And also, I think it can kind of slow down your growth because money that you could be spending on marketing dollars or helping like or, or your product or something that will help you grow faster. A lot of that has to go into things like incorporating companies and so on. So some sort of starter kit, some sort of like um, fund at the start, like I said, it can be paid back um would be very very useful that's not necessarily just limited to like a very elite few people i guess that that get onto a certain program so um yeah that would be very useful i think and finally connor what words of advice would you have for any young entrepreneur early stage entrepreneur who's considering launching a business or has an idea that you know they think might work as a business Cool. Yeah, well, I think one piece of advice is just speak to as many potential customers as possible. Uh, the two reasons that most startups fail is they build something the market doesn't want or they run out of money. Okay, so we all have great ideas. Uh, and one thing I come across quite a lot is, is founders and entrepreneurs who are building those ideas within a vacuum. Okay, so it's like I have a great idea. I talked to one person they said it was great. And now we're going to go off and build it. And then they go out and talk to 20 with the actual product. And lo and behold, nobody wants it. So it's easy. A lot of people are very willing to help you um, with that information. So the first thing I would say is talk to as many people within your target market as possible. That's the best, the single best advice you can get is from your potential customers, okay? And whether they want what you want, and very often you will go with idea X and come back with idea Y, something completely different. That's the number one thing. Uh, the second thing I would say as well this probably applies, I guess, to anyone who, who wants to get into tech as well, is just try to take your time. I know, obviously, that's difficult, um, but a lot of people are taking on a lot of funding very early sometimes if they have, like, big ideas, and then they come under a lot of pressure. So, you know, it, it's I would say try to go as far as possible, bootstrapped, or with using a bit of your own money, or even working part-time, like, just enough to pay the mortgage and the bills, and then working the rest on the business. That building a little bit slower at the start means you're under a lot less pressure down the line. Um, so they're the two pieces of advice I, I, I'd really give. And, and just surround yourself with good people, good other entrepreneurs who've done it. Right, okay. Well, you're on an exciting journey. Next month is going to be your, your first days of trading, uh, as it were. That's and it. Connor, yeah. we, we wish you uh, continued success. Maybe you'll come back and join us uh, at a later point on, on Inside Business and uh, give us an update on how Relay is going. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you very much. At Davy. We know the best investment right now is a conversation about your cash. With inflation and negative interest rates eroding value, holding cash could actually cost you money. And if you're in that position, the costliest thing to do may be to do nothing. By talking to one of our trusted advisors now, we can help you find a solution to ensure your cash works better for you and your financial planning and investment goals. Let's start the conversation. Call us now or search Davy. Davy. It's not just business, it's personal.
Janie Davy, Trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. Gerald Donoghue, thank you for joining Inside Business. Now, you had a coffee shop called First Draft in Portobello in Dublin that many of our listeners uh, might be familiar with. It sells coffee, wine, and of course a, a cafe operation. But in August, you took what many people might consider to be a very brave, bold move to open another coffee shop in Ennis Time in County Clare, population 1,000 in the face of a pandemic, uh, just a couple of months after the lockdown restrictions had been lifted and with a lot of food services uh, businesses right around the country were struggling to make uh, make ends meet. Um, so uh, tell us how it came about and wh- wh- why you did it. Well, some, some people call it brave. A lot of people have been calling it stupid too. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, the place in Portobello was was really busy through COVID, and it felt it felt great to be able to sort of supply people with some sort of sense of normality, really. And during during this, like a lot of a lot, a lot of friends of mine have have cafes and restaurants, and they're, they're they're really struggling. And one of them was the little fox that was in Ennis time. And I went I went down to I went down to those guys to see if there's if there's anything I could I could I could help with. Really, twenty minutes later, through that conversation. We went. We went. We went to see. We went to see the shop, and it just. It just sort of felt right, um, and it felt like it, the people in the town were really were really missing something in that space. It just sort of. It just sort of snowballed. It all happened really, really quickly, and it, it felt. It felt good as well to be able just to sort of break out because because Portobello was busy and there was other, we were we didn't have a lot of staff. We didn't have a lot of. Uh, hands on deck so we it was sort of exhausting and it felt it felt really good to go out and actually do something else as well yeah sure just tell us a little bit about the conversations around uh, opening that coffee shop i don't know if your friends own the premises for example or was it owned separately by another landlord so did you have to go to that landlord and negotiate a new deal did you get a good rent did you do a bit of market research uh, about ennis time and at that point i don't know how many coffee shops Operate there at the minute. There's a couple, but there's about three or four different coffee shops with different offers, and there wasn't there was there wasn't a huge amount of market research. It was it was really a sense of feeling that there was something missing from that specific space. There was new deals made with uh, made with the landlord. My 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 the little fox guys were were renting as well. The one thing that we that made it possible to open there was the was the the team that are there at the moment. Um. Along, along with uh, Sam and Neve, who own Little Fox, we have uh, Janelle and Rory, who are basically running the place down there. Who and we all used to work together in Dublin, so we we knew we knew each other and we knew how we worked, and it was it was a very easy transition to go. And, and they all worked in Little Fox as well, so it was it was a case of having some familiar faces in the in the town as well. That like people were people have been really uh, welcoming and sort of welcoming the familiar faces and and that, and that kind of thing, you know. Jer, just paint us a picture of a typical day in Ennis time, and if you like, I mentioned that it has a population of a thousand. It's probably it's close to Lynch, I think. I've never been to Ennis time myself, so um, maybe just for the listeners, just paint a, a picture of a typical day in Ennis time, and and particularly at this time of pandemic, you know, when a lot of people are staying home and they're not going out so much and wearing of masks and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, is it busy? Is it is it quiet on the streets? The Ennis time at the moment in the in the pandemic is the only Ennis time I know. Um, I wasn't I wasn't a regular visitor there or or anything over the years, but my my impression of it is that it's deceptively busy. It has it has a look of a very sleepy, very ordinary little little town, but it's de- it's deceptively busy. Everyone everyone's involved in projects. I think everyone's a a, a carpenter or a blacksmith. 
I think th- there's, a, there's a hardware shop there, Devitt's, that is probably the busiest hardware shop I've ever seen. <laughs> and um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a market town as well. It's where like, uh, the, the big supermarkets are. Um, so if you live in the surrounding areas, you, you come to that town to do your, sh- to do your shopping. So there's not a lot of people in Ennis Thailand, but it's, it's, it's busy with the, with the surrounding areas and the surrounding towns. And they have a taste for hipster coffee. You're all about hipster coffee, aren't you? They absolutely do, yeah. But I think uh, uh, I think Ireland is getting uh, getting a taste for what what you call hipster coffee. We call it speciality coffee, but you can call it hipster coffee if you like. <laughs> now, Jer, I, I don't know how much it cost you to get the business off the ground and to change the name over the door and get your stock in and so on. Did you have to go to the bank um, to to look for some cash or a bit of an overdraft or some facilities? Uh, did you have any conversations with the bank manager? Did he tell you you were mad or did he congratulate you? Um, we were told we were mad from everybody. Yeah. So it all it all it all came out of um, personal money, and uh, a friend of mine, um, one who's based in London, um, how we've been talking about investing in something together for for years, and when this this came up, it just sort of ticked well, ticked all the boxes. So it's all, it's all, it's all from it's all from personal money. So we weren't we weren't eligible for anything really, you know. Uh, all like yeah. So it's a, we we like we have a bank account. That's about the extent of it. <laughs> Right, okay. Now, in terms of uh, first draft, obviously the lockdown came in March. It took us all by surprise. The economy suddenly shut. I presume first draft closed at that point? No, we didn't close at all. You didn't? You kept open? We uh, we even opened an extra day to keep up with everyone. When it, when it happened, I was just terrified because we were no, we were never told to close. Uh, and we, we did a lot of uh, takeaway, takeaway business anyway. So the only real the only real change in Portobello was that people couldn't sit in anymore, um, and at the time people were, were fine with that. And then during during lockdown, um, particularly when we could only we could only roam the two k around the around your house, we were we were the, the little hub for the community. That's where people would go for their coffee for their for their two k walk or um, whatever it might be. It actually ended up being far busier than it was um, pre COVID. So in terms of first draft. Post the lockdown or during the lockdown, was revenue up or down? It's up. It's been it's been up the whole the whole time. Um, because, well, we we got lucky because we're in a residential area, so there's there's more people around, and they're around at different time different times of day. So yeah, we were um because we were the only people that were open too. Like we we took we took a we took a small hit when everyone else opened up again, which we were expecting. Um, but we've we've managed to we've managed to hold on to a lot of those new customers that found us during during the lockdown. What about I mean, would office staff in the area would they, would they have been customers of you in the past? And presumably they're they're largely gone because most offices are empty in the city centre at the minute. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, they are they are largely gone. Um, but we do have a huge population of people that are working from home now. Um, and it's it's really the uh, it's really. The, Closer to the city centre are feeling much more of a hit than than we did out on the outskirts, you know. Um, so the and as well, as well as that, in where we are, there's not a huge amount of offices. It is really uh, residential. And in terms of the restrictions in Dublin, the government last week tightened them. Um, so it's really it's outdoor dining now that they um, that, that they want to really don't want people indoors uh, congregating much. They don't want people socializing much. Obviously, coffee is a very social thing where friends might come together and have a chat. So is that impacting your business? Have you noticed a change in the past week or so? It has to, to it has to an extent. Um, but at the, at the very start, just out of not knowing what to do, we only let one person in at a time anyway. 
Um, and we, we've been we've been really really strict about that. Um, and as as things relaxed a little bit up and, up until last week, we like we we maintained that we would only let one person in. And because we are strictly we are strictly uh, takeaway, so there isn't really we, we've got a small bench outside. You can stay there for ten minutes and have your coffee, and that's that's what anyone's doing. We stopped our food service altogether, and we would we weren't doing much food in the first place. Um, we would, we'd have pastries in the morning, and when we were operating as a wine bar, we'd have small small plates, small tapas style things. We just stopped doing all that, so like we didn't feel the pinch the way a lot of our friends did. Now you're open just a little over a month in Ennis Timon. How's it gone for you? How's trade been? It's really solid, particularly for particularly for just op- for opening anything new. It's really solid, particularly in the pandemic. So, like, I'm I'm really delighted with uh, with how we're starting. There's a there's a lot, there's still a lot we have to do, um, and that we want to do, and it's it's all it's all it's all within reach. Um, uh, the support the support's been great. Um, the like the the, the local support's all be, all been all been wonderful. We got a whole a whole bunch of cards from uh, from the other shops in in the town and everything else. It's all it's all been really really lovely, and like hopefully we'll be able to, to sort of make that like we did with Portobello um, a little hub. For the, for the community there as well going forward, I didn't uh, I didn't make a big song and dance about opening. Um, it was a, we were open a month before I really announced we were doing anything because I was just very wary of like friends of mine who are struggling and, fr- and friends who have had to close their doors and all that kind of thing. I didn't want to sort of uh, be seen as sort of rubbing it in their faces or or that kind of thing. So I, d- I did keep it I did keep it pretty quiet. Um, until last week, I sent out. I sent out a very, what I thought was very harmless non-text, non-tweet. And I'm not. I'm not a big. Uh, I'm not a big uh, Twitterer. But uh, I think that got six thousand something likes on Twitter, and then it all. It all just went. It's all just gone up from there. I, I, I thought that was a very throwaway comment. Here, look, I opened the place, and then it's time and come in if you're if you're in the area. That was it. And then, like, it just sort of took off life of its own, um, which is, I think, where you guys found me. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. No, 6,000 uh, sounds good. Frothy, I think, is, uh, is, is a word we might uh, use to describe it. Um, I just wonder, <laughs> Jared, just in terms of, I mean, your friends closed the business. You mentioned that. Uh, I know you're respectful of, uh, that was obviously, a, you know, a big moment for them in their lives. Um, just in terms, of, I don't know how many staff they had. Uh, were you able to retain the staff or did you bring in some new staff for your, for your own operation? We, I purposely kept it pretty tight at the at the start, um, but then the day the days were really long, so we, we it wasn't sustainable. So we did have to bring on um, a couple of a couple of people just to sort of give uh, this this two main the two main staff members, me and Kerry Ming, in um, in, in in Portobello. Um, so it, it it wasn't sustainable in a, in a seven day business just to have just to have two people there because they were we we ended up doing twelve hour days and. Yeah, not not knowing your name at the end of the day wasn't really wasn't really great. So we were like we were up. I think revenue was up fifty percent, but the staff was down fifty percent as well. Um, so good numbers wise, but uh, the human element has to be taken into consideration. <laughs> yeah, sure. Chair, can I just ask you? The government has put in place various supports for businesses, small businesses in in particular, to help them through the pandemic. What's your view? Of those supports, have you accessed any of them? Do you think the government has done enough? Um, I'm not eligible for any of them. Um, 
And I feel like I'd be I'd be taking the mic a little bit if I was to apply for them, to be honest with you. Um because we're not like those the those schemes are in place for people who have been really negatively affected. And that has that has to be proven in order to uh, be eligible for them. And and we we haven't. We've been really, really lucky. In terms of if if they're doing enough, I don't I don't I don't think you could ever do enough. Um, but I also wouldn't want to be in the position of making those decisions either. Um, it's been a because it's such an unprecedented situation, and we don't know how long it's going to go on for. I yeah, I would I would just hate to be in that position. Um, whatever decision like that that you make, there's always going to be opposition to it, and there's always going to be people that um. That will be that will be happy, and some people that will be very very unhappy. But every, like every every organization is different, every company is different. So I, I think it's I think it's very difficult to be um, to please everybody, you know. And finally, Jer, have you any words of advice for any other entrepreneur who's thinking of setting up a business during the pandemic? <laughs> I think I'd be the last person to give advice to anybody. <laughs> The only, the only thing the only thing I ever say to anyone who's who's asked advice of me is just to go with your gut. If, if it feels right, it's right for a reason. Okay, well that's pretty succinct, uh, Jared. Don't you? We wish you continued success uh, both in Portobello and in Estime, and maybe uh, at some point in the near future we can get along to uh, one of those cafes and uh, we can we can have, sample your uh, specialty coffee, uh, Don't you? Thank you for joining Inside Business. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Connor Keppel and Jero Donoghue for joining me on the show. Thanks also to our sponsor, Davy Group, for its continued support. Declan Conlon produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care and stay safe.